0: Hey this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery.
1: Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts
2: and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. I'm Mike. This is Daniel. Tonight we have some special guests with us. Um, We're going to introduce them just briefly, but uh, and then let uh, let them kind of introduce themselves. Uh, we have Chad. Uh, Chad happens to be one of the members of our 12-step group, our 12-step group, and his wife, Amber. So tonight, we're going to double pack, uh, <laughs> really kind of get some, some powerful information about what it's like to be an addict and what it's like to be the spouse of an addict. So we are thrilled you're here with us.
3: Thrilled to um, here.
2: Yeah. Tell, give us a, give us a little bit of, uh, about yourself, Chad. Tell us a little bit about you. Me? Okay. Well, like you said, I'm uh, in the
1: uh, essay program with you guys. I attend this tw- the twelve-step group with uh, with you on Saturday mornings. Um, I uh, are you looking for my background, where I come yeah, from? Yeah,
2: tell us a little bit about. Uh, sure.
1: Yeah. So I come from. Uh, I grew up on a, a farm in a rural area in a very rural state. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, uh, my addiction started um, as. Uh, as far as I've identified it, when I was probably nine, ten years old. I saw a calendar on the wall of a barn when my dad and I were visiting a a neighbor, and um, the rest is sort of history, you know? I I went back and took that calendar, and then I went back and repeated that stealing of uh, inappropriate calendars a few times, and it uh, started a pattern in my life. Uh, There were some tough things going on at home, when I was that age, my younger sister had cancer. She was three. And my parents, um, you know, we just didn't have anything. We were poor. and Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, between trying to keep things afloat and trying to keep her alive, uh, my other sister and I um, uh, maybe didn't get as much attention as a lot of kids do at that age from their parents and our family. Um, developed in an interesting way over the years of my sister's illness and then what that did to her. Um, And I developed my addiction as a coping mechanism to a lot of what was going on in my life at that time. Certainly. I can see how that would be. Uh, Sure. um, (coughs) It was a very religious family, in Mm -hmm. addition to that, in a very religious community. And um, I found uh, that there was a lot of shame in... I mean, I I was probably 11 or 12 when Mm -hmm. I realized that what I was doing was wrong <laughs> sure. um, from both the societal standpoint and then also from the perspective of my religion. And I, uh, kept it a secret and it remained a secret, uh, all growing up through my adolescence, um, into my college years. And then I got married, um, uh, the first time. And during my marriage, I continued to keep that a secret for a number of years until I just could not keep it a secret anymore. My acting out behaviors became so unhideable, uh, that, uh, you know, I was found out, right? Right. Right. <laughs> no, that's so. so, uh, <clears throat> pornography and, and masturbation were such a prominent part of my private life. Mm-hmm. And they had such a deep and, um, destructive impact on my um, intimate relationship with my wife at the time and uh, eventually led me to have an affair uh, which was um, which was found out in dramatic fashion <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I found myself no longer a member of my church and uh, getting a divorce uh, you know with two young children and it was a period of uh, extraordinary chaos absolute yeah. absolute chaos yeah. sure it still wasn't enough <laughs> right, right to really get me to recognize that i had uh an addiction though i still had a problem right. that i wasn't fully acknowledging i wasn't getting help for the way that somebody really needs to i think
2: sure mm-hmm. um
1: uh you know when something like that is happening i, I just became more private i became more secluded mm-hmm. i became more isolated from everybody i became a real stranger to my family my, my mother my sister's and um, continue to just press forward in my acting out, um, I would go through these phases where I would really get lost in that haze. Right. And then, you know, the way we do, I would go through this cycle where I would get sick of myself and become sexually anorexic, you know, just celibate for periods, and sometimes make really great personal improvements in my life, get into really good shape, or um, you know, start school again <laughs> yeah. for the fifteenth right. time or whatever <laughs> and uh, um eventually I, I was passing through one of these periods and really feeling pretty pretty good about my life and uh I met Amber, my wife
2: now, and um we're gonna hear from her in just a minute hear from so her that's, her uh, yeah yeah this is a just a great story. It sounds to me uh, and your story is very much like <clears throat> my own story. It sounds like to me that this addiction and i'm assuming daniel's as well daniel's Mm -hmm. uh, daniel has, has been great about sharing his story on these podcasts about how you know those circumstances in the family of origin that you grew up in yeah but there's no doubt about it that in all three of our circumstances that this addiction has monopolized if you will the majority of our life yeah yeah so you've been dealing with this since you were nine years old how old are you now I'm 45 right now. So, I'll be 46 in January. So a big part of your life has been consumed with with these secret behaviors, these secret kind of, of lifestyle and behaviors. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, and and that you spent a good part of your life trying to find ways to, to do this sort of stuff in secret. And think of all the relationships along the way, from friends mm-hmm. to family members and things like that. And I think you hit on a, on a key word that lost relationships. Think yeah. of all those relationships along the way that have been damaged as a result of what this has done what this has been like
1: yeah and i think i think in truth i mean reflecting back on friendships not so much my family relationships i sure. guess but definitely friendships that have been lost <clears throat> as an addict not really fully disclosing who i am and being who i am right uh, in an authentic way those relationships become really transactional right and yeah, i i right. uh, think more than anything Uh, I was just getting what I could out of those relationships. What little sense of connection I
2: could get from
1: them. And, uh, it doesn't take very long for the person on the other side of that relationship to feel like they're not getting anything back. Mm -hmm. And so those relationships fail or you do something that hurts them because you're so calloused and so removed from any sense of reality and how to
2: actually treat other people that you can't help it. You end up hurting other people. Just out of curiosity, uh, um, uh, do you maintain any relationships with any of the friends that you grew up with during that period of time? Or do you, oh. how about your family? Do you, uh, do you have a strong relationship with your family? And has, how has this disease affected that relationship? And are you repairing that now?
1: Yeah, wow. So those are uh, both good questions and pretty separate questions too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have any friends from before I admitted my addiction and sought treatment for it. I, I guess I take that back. We do have one couple that we're friends with that we haven't spoken to in the better part of a year and a half, probably that I know if we went back to them and, and, you know, wanted to sp- spend time with them, they'd be great about it. We yeah. just are geographically distant from Distance each other. Right. and Yeah. so uh, other than that, no, not really. Uh, I, I don't. And, and some of that was uh, because so many of the relationships that I had with people were inappropriate relationships or the, the, the context behind them was having formed those relationships in, um, uh, um, you, you know, some aspect of my life that was really not conducive to being a family man with right. kids, and, you yeah. know? And so it just doesn't really fit my family. Um, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I, <laughs> in, um, the most recent time, the last time that I acted out, I'm going to say right around my clean date. Right. Um, I called my mom uh, just out of panic Um, and I said, Mom, I've got, uh, you know, something really terrible happening right now. And my my, my mom has always had kind of a sense, I think, of me having a problem. She learned.
2: Mothers always
1: do, don't they? (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, She learned, unfortunately, from word of mouth about the affair that I had had in my previous marriage. And so she had, you know, an idea that I had kind of an issue. But we'd never talked openly about it. That's a hallmark I think of addict families sometimes is that you don't talk and you're not close and there's no real connection and intimacy right. within yeah. your family. I think that's a fair statement. For yeah, sure. That's always been missing in my family. For sure. But I called her and I said, you know that I've had sort of an issue over the years and I'm just calling to let you know that your instinct was right and that I've got this problem. And it was a, this big emotional, me bawling and you know, it's not running out of my nose, <laughs> the, cry the, the, yeah, cry the, cry the cry over the phone. Yeah. The ugly <laughs> cry over the phone. And she was great about it. I mean, she was very loving about it. Yeah. Um, and I think there's real, I know that there's real potential for that relationship to grow and to become what it really should have been my entire life. Yeah. My father's passed away. He's been gone for um, two decades, better part of two decades. Sure. Um, my daughter's from my first marriage. That's my, my oldest daughter passed through a period where she, um, without really being able to explain why, was experiencing severe emotional distress, and mm-hmm. she was cutting and um, suicidal, and had a really hard time. Didn't want to talk to anybody about it, um, and she was very distant. And I know now, I think in retrospect, not not to totally blame myself, but, sure, because I don't think that's healthy. But I, I I know certainly the things that she passed through was her mother and I were divorced, and how distant I was as her father oh, probably. Sure, and I sure I thought I was a good dad at the time, but I'm I'm sure that um there's no way that i couldn't have been anything less than distant honestly right. Right. i think that had an impact on her and caused her sense. to have some issues my the younger of those two daughters who's she's 18 now she just graduated from high school and i have a fairly close relationship she'll come and talk to me she'll ask me questions i've worked in earnest i'd say even like especially over the past year to really sit down and try to have meaningful conversations with her. Yeah. You know, she's headed out and becoming an adult. And right, right. It's sort of the last hurrah uh, trying yeah. to have uh, a real meaningful relationship with her and she's been receptive to it. Oh, that's great. So yeah. Yeah.
2: we're going to cut you off. It's time to introduce Amber. Okay. This is, uh, this is the, uh, <clears throat> uh I'm going to argue this the start. is the, the better half. Yes. <laughs> of this relationship. So no doubt. Well, we're so, getting started. So <laughs> it's
3: early, too early uh, to say.
2: Absolutely thrilled to have you here, Amber. Uh, you're going to, like I said, uh, this is, this is exciting to, ever, uh, to have the perspective of a spouse of an addict is really a big, big deal for most of our listeners worldwide who uh, pay attention to this podcast it's a it's a rare opportunity to hear um, the hurt party, if you will of of addiction and so. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about you and, uh, and then how is it that you met Chad and under what circumstances and, and what's interesting about that is, is did you ever know, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you knew about him when you met him in terms of his addiction. Did you know anything at all? But share some of your background.
3: Okay. So, um, we've often heard about opposites attracting. Sure. This is very much that story. <laughs> um, I grew up a city girl uh, with a great family, um, no, no hardships or anything. I had everything I ever wanted growing up, and my family was nothing but supportive. Um, I'm a nurse by background, um, and th- it's it's interesting because my profession, I think, is very much of a rescuing sure. profession, which. Um, through lots of therapy, I've identified as probably <laughs> being the reason that I was the most attracted to, uh, to Chad in the beginning. But um, Chad and I met, actually. I was just... I was unhappy in a relationship. My first real boyfriend relationship that lasted 11 years, um, I was just unhappy. And I... I think i was scared to be alone and here comes this very handsome individual that worked at the hospital and
1: who was
2: it you it (laughs) was (laughs) you um
3: and i I can't even describe it you know there's there was a draw there was a draw there and um there was probably a year between the time that we actually met he was working at the time as a cna on the floor i was a registered nurse and i kept calling him for everything (laughs) <laughs> um, and wanting him to come help me with all my patients because he was just, you know.
2: Just wanted to be around him.
3: He just wanted, yeah, there was sure. just a connection. And, um, you know, the rest is history. We a, a year went by and he, you know, we both ended up ending our relationships and were single and got into our relationship. Um, and I did not know about the addiction at all. He was the opposite of everything that I was, and I valued everything. You know, Chad is very um, talented in the artsy way, and I'm I'm very plany. And so that was, you know, he was spontaneous, and I'm not. And yeah. it was everything I was not strong in sure. that I could just lean on this person and. Um you know i i I talked a little bit about being a nurse by background and being kind of a rescuer and he was i i forgive me for saying this he was a little bit of a wounded bird he was not far off of being divorced and out of a relationship that was not you know where she had she had actually cheated on him and um it was easy for me to know that i could provide him with so much happiness and we were just thrilled to be together and it was easy and we were happy and I remember we were over by uh Costco actually and we had this conversation about it you know we were talking about getting married and if we were going to get married that it didn't matter we were going to stay married and we would work through any challenges that came our way and oh boy have we done that
2: (laughs) um and it sounds like a bait and switch <laughs> at this point. <laughs>
1: well,
3: <laughs>
2: so tell me this and all of that, because uh, I mean, clearly you had some, as you described, you had some expectations. You had some. I mean, this was going to be your. This was. This was happiness. <clears throat> this was. This was going to take you all the way to the promised land, kind of a thing. Oh this yeah. Was, yeah. This was it. So when did you first find out that he had uh, that he had this character flaw? That he had this issue? That he had this thing going on?
3: So uh, Chad and I. Uh, eloped actually and about a month maybe a little more than a month before we eloped I don't know what it was I'm I'm sure now there you know there are characteristics in when he's acting out that I've been able to you know that mm-hmm. I could probably identify but at, sure. I, I didn't know what it was he just was off and I happened to get off work before him and headed over to his apartment and his phone he left his phone at home and Um, I'm a very good detective and so (laughs) I happened to look at it and there was a text message from somebody that we worked with and it was very flirtatious. And so I remember talking to him about it and that was the first thing, you know, Mm -hmm. that was the first instance where it was being unfaithful. It was a trauma. It was, it was something. And we promised each other it was never going to happen again. You know, this was a relationship that happened before us. We Let's talk about on. that
2: experience for just a second. Because most of our addictive behaviors, and mm-hmm. I'm certain mm-hmm. that everybody sitting at this table, sort of does the exact same thing. And that is is that we sort of cop to the thing that we got caught for. Yeah, When we get caught. When we get when caught. We get caught. Yeah. So, so we had this experience. You found something on the phone. He certainly didn't open up at all that point in time, did he? He probably just simply said, no, this is, you know, this is rare. I don't. Or was it, was it more than that? Did he share more than that?
3: He, no, he did not. So he came home from, uh, I had texted him or I'd called him actually because I had your phone. <laughs> I'd called him at work and I was like, you're in trouble, mister. And I'm very angry about this. And he rushed home and I was like, what is this? What's going on? You know, you're, you're very flirtatious in these texts. And um, he justified all of it. And yeah. I really wanted to believe all of it. And I allowed myself to go, okay. And, you know, there was a probably a week there where I was angry. And he probably felt some of that heat. He probably felt that pain. And yeah. um, then I was like, you know, this is, this was a relationship. I justified all of it. Was this was a relationship that happened before me, or it was established before I came along and, you know, became his girlfriend and eventually his fiance and his wife. I need to... I need to move on from this. This is, this is a growth moment for me.
2: Did he, uh, uh, one of the things that I always did to my wife, uh, um, gaslighting is a, is a Mm -hmm. common thing that, that we often do. And that is, is that, look, you're the crazy one. There's really nothing here. Uh, that sort of stuff. Um, that's a very common behavior for addictive kind of, okay, you caught me. I don't really know what to say. Mm -hmm. I've spent roughly 35 years hiding this thing from a whole lot of people uh very close to me very dear near and dear to me and now you have caught me and I'm in this moment and uh and and I'm really stammering for what to say and so the only thing I know to do is to gaslight and to say stuff like "Did, did that did you experience that was that a common experience from him and his
3: you know yes he 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 did do that um most of the time when I caught him I he was really bad at hiding stuff. And I was very good at gathering the evidence that I <laughs> yeah. needed before I addressed it.
0: To be fair, we kind of all suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> we think we're amazing, but we suck at it. Yeah, I don't we'll know if there are smart addicts. Them. I'm not one of them. So. If there are, I don't think there. anyone knows about them. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I had enough evidence to be like, mm, I know what this was. Yeah. And I need you to talk to me about it and okay. tell me really what it was. And, you know, to his credit, he did. I he told me what I needed to know, and um, it was painful, sure, and it was everything sure. that I imagined it to be. Yeah. But it, it was there.
2: So that sounds like the first time, and it sounds like there's probably been other times. W- at what point in time, Chad, did you realize that you were an addict? At what, where did oh, you? Man. Somewhere along the line.
3: This is a great question. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is a great question. Yeah, sorry, you were. I
2: was going to say somewhere along the line we moved from this. Uh, we moved from the stage of. Okay, I've got these things that are going on. My, you know, these. My wife has caught me on the, on a text thread with somebody else. Yeah, all these sorts of things, and I'm realizing that, uh, you know, addiction is one of these things as we've described as these behaviors that has a negative consequence, right? And we continue doing. Yeah. Um, and that we, um, how did you? Where did that? term, where, at what point in time did you realize that, wow, I'm an addicted, I'm, I'm a sex addict?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to answer that question in two ways. Okay. I'm answer your question directly. I think I, I admitted it uh, a little over a year ago when I went to Amber and I said, hey, our relationship is, I, I wasn't telling her anything, by the way, this is something that we both knew. Our relationship sucks. Our relationship is in a bad
2: place. And it, so you'd escalated from the point <coughs> in time have you found that first text to, to a variety of other experiences. Yeah. Yeah, we have cool. been married for eight years.
1: So okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> over that period of time, yeah. you can imagine uh, sure. me not acknowledging my addiction and continuing to act out and those behaviors becoming worse. Our relationship yeah. got worse. It suffered tremendously. Which, and, which
2: reminds me of step one, right? Yeah. The words powerless and, and unmanageability. Unmanageable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. Things have become truly unmanageable. Yeah. And uh, about a year ago, I went to her and I said, hey, I think I have a problem and I think I might be a sex addict and I think I need to go and get some help. Which,
3: sorry, I just want to put a plug in here because for me, when you said to me, hey, I think I might be a sex addict, Mm -hmm. at the time we were not being intimate. And for me as your spouse, Mm -hmm. hearing you're a sex addict, I was like, but we're not, having sex how can you be a sex addict if you're not having sex all the time and Mm -hmm. i had to great point i had to go and i googled it i had to do some research on my own to go oh how did i not know that you were a sex addict because i've had you know seven years of affairs and hardships and i don't know how we didn't know sooner
1: yeah well i mean That takes me to the second way that I want to answer this question, actually. I mean, first of all, when did I admit it? I mean, mean, a year ago. A year ago, I said, Amber, I've got a problem. I need to get some help. And I started therapy and group therapy and met you guys. and You know, Mm -hmm. everything kind of went from there. And it's been tremendous. But, I mean, that said, I mean, that's that's really kind of the deep irony of being an addict of any sort, I guess. Definitely a sex addict is that you spend your entire life hiding something that you know is a problem. But that entire time, you're thinking to yourself, "I could beat this on my own if I wanted to. Like, if if I if I could do this, I I could. I'm going to go we, and give this yeah. a try. You've got 35 you years of
2: demonstration of that. And <laughs> oh, I have yeah. what have I got? 50. I mean, I think I'm in the same boat, thinking yeah. all the way along. that, yeah. yeah, I can fix this on my own. And yeah. there are definite <laughs> moments in in my path, and
1: I I don't know. That we probably have time and space on this podcast, but right. deep moments of unmanageability, moments right. of mm-hmm. absolute desperation. Right. That. Yeah. Were opportunities for me to say, "Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna whip this on my own. Right. Like I really need some help, or I am, I'm gonna die. Like something bad is gonna happen." Wouldn't accept them, Wouldn't accept him. Wouldn't accept him. I, I would just keep on going until the next one came, and keep on digging deeper, digging deeper, digging deeper until I finally hit low enough, and low enough was the potential of losing Amber and losing our uh, at the time newborn babies, newborn twin mm-hmm. babies. Mm-hmm. And just being like, "This is not going to happen to me again. I'm not losing another family over yeah, this." Yeah.
2: And I, I gather from your perspective, Amber. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. That was in the cards. The idea of that. Look, this is we're to a spot where we're not getting past, and if then we, yeah, we're 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 not. That's in the cards. I mean,
3: yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we. I can't even say what it was. Um, I, you weren't
1: threatening me with a divorce or anything like that. No, but it was pretty.
3: It was obvious. Like, I I remember... The writing on the wall, I think. Yeah, I remember about... I even remember the picture you took. I was so pregnant with these twins. (laughs) And I was like, we still have three months to go. (laughs) Um, But I remember you and I having this conversation about, you know, just feeling this disconnect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we ended up having the the babies. It was a planned Um, (laughs) C-section. We went in and... We did it, and they did this. uh, Do you remember our like dinner that they had, where we got to pick hospital food, and they brought it up, and like had a (laughs) bottle of champagne or you know like sparkling cider. It was very fancy, yeah. Yeah, Um, And we were sitting across from each other, and I just felt the disconnect. And I, I had in that moment, I realized you know this experience for me was not what I thought it would be with the person that I care about the most in this world, and. It was hard it was really hard and so it wasn't that i was threatening him but i could feel the distance between us growing when it should be at its closest and it was just really hard and i think i I remember having these conversations with him about something has to change i don't know what it is but something's wrong here yeah and Mm -hmm. i can't put my finger on it Mm -hmm. and I remember last August. The end of August was when we started um, on the recovery path as a couple. But I remember him coming to me and saying, "I I think I have a problem." And at you know, like I said before, I didn't. I was like, "What? How are you an addict?" And then as I researched it, I was like, "How did we not know this?" And I'm so grateful mm-hmm. every day for that moment. I will always recognize that as our first step into recovery Mm. as a couple and be so thankful that you were brave enough to do that for us because Mm. here we are a year into recovery and nowhere near where we want to be but we're on the path nowhere near
1: where we were we're, that's
3: true (laughs) nowhere near where we were incredibly
1: probably a year prior to that august well it was a year prior to that august we took our uh, June, July, three, two month old babies, almost three month old babies, to the wedding reception of a coworker of ours, and who happened to be on my team mm-hmm. at work, you okay. know, and <clears throat> there was another coworker of ours, uh, of mine on that team, that I had been, uh, I mean, just sort of openly flirtatious with, honestly, over company communication I mean, um, tools, and. In my mind, I truly believed in my head, I was so, uh, my view of everything was so distorted as an addict that mm-hmm. I was just joking around. I was just joking around, you know, because I wasn't saying anything explicit. We weren't, mm-hmm. you know. And I, th- I could not understand why it was a problem for Amber. She 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 brought it up uh, on the regular, you know. And we went to this reception, and this uh, this colleague of ours, of mine, was there at the reception as well and I still remember the moment she came up to us to to say hi and you know kind of fawn over the babies and how incredibly awkward that was and that was probably the first time in our relationship that I thought to myself how have I not seen this until now we got in the car and and, you know we left the reception we drove away and we had this conversation and it was a very it was a brutal conversation it was very very hard uh, and the conversation ended, you can correct me if I'm misrepresenting this, Amber, I will. but, but, but yeah. to me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought to myself, uh, I, I, I said to Amber something along the lines of, you know what? I don't, I still don't totally see what you see, mm-hmm. but I did feel the awkwardness of that situation. Right. right. Yeah. And I do now ask myself why I can't, I, I don't see it the way that you do. Like right. what, 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 what am I missing? What is going on? And the next week, probably week or two, I was in a an incredible funk. I was just in a profoundly bad place emotionally mm-hmm. and mentally. I was questioning everything about myself and I couldn't figure it out. I just could not figure it out. Interesting. Eventually it kind of wore off and over the course of the next year, I didn't, have any more acting out with anybody else. I didn't mm-hmm. flirt with anybody else. I actually had a direct conversation with this coworker and said, Hey, we can't talk anymore. Um, and not like that was a you know, a big magnanimous thing for me to do, by the way, I think because it wasn't. Yeah. Uh but it, i I went into the very worst of my acting out behaviour with pornography and masturbation over that year. Wow. I just destroyed myself with it. And I, I sit up extremely late. Extremely late. Regularly, almost every night, right? Yeah, and it, our our relationship was wow. non-existent over that year, and that's what that's what took me to that that point where you know we we already.
2: Didn't it's describe. interesting. It's interesting. I you know I don't know what it's like for you, Daniel, but I I don't I didn't know anything about sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd hit that same sort of spot that you had. I mean, you describe your that patch as being a real life skid, right? I mean, yes, yeah. this was relationship was gone everything was gone I, for me it was work i'd hit that place in work i remember an entire week going by and uh and uh, not really certain what happened to it yeah. mm-hmm. i know that i acted out a tremendous amount during that period of time i was constantly in and out of the office mm-hmm. setting up these appointments and these meets and doing all these different things yeah uh, but I, I i couldn't function i was literally non-functioning and i that sounds like that's sort of the same thing for oh, yeah. you didn't you, did you think so but it was um, on.
3: Yeah. yeah. you were not functioning. I wasn't contributing around here. Right. It was yeah. so hard. I remember you taking a month off of for, uh paternity leave when we had the twins, and you didn't help me at all. Wow. And I was so scared because I was a first-time mom, and I had two of them, yeah. and I was hormonal, and.
1: At the same time, I was well supposedly, completing my <sighs> my uh my Your degree school. my degree of yeah. school, and so I was in the office downstairs in our house yeah. all the time. "Quote unquote," working on my degree, right. but not working and on your not degree. On
0: my degree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I, I feel like I was always fairly functional, but that was because you know, my childhood. If I didn't do anything, you know, I got yeah. trouble. And I, that you know, I got beat, so I was always on top of stuff. I was always working, working more than one job, always providing, but I'd always find an opportunity to sneak away and do yeah. something. So there was, you know, minute times that added up over time, yeah. you know, or there'd be, you know, I'd binge, or I wouldn't go to bed, um, and I'd stay up late, or, Mm -hmm. and there'd just be ways for me to find, to act out, Um, you know, because I I remember, you know, even working with the the therapist we we share, um, I correlated, because when I was younger, the only time, because where my fake dad had stored the porn magazines underneath the bathroom sink, you know, I'd come home from school, take a shower, because, I would not shower at a gym, and I had gym the last you know, class sure. of the day. I was a short, scrawny uh, redhead, and I was trying to hide the bruises, and so I wouldn't jump in the shower. I'd come home and shower, and then that's where I'd act out. But then when I got an adult, that's always
2: where I acted out, right. going to take a shower. Um it's interesting in all of that, though, that, that, I, that I never arrived at the place that I was a sex addict.
0: Well, me neither. I mean, I even never, it
2: never dawned on hmm. me. So for you to come to that conclusion is really interesting. I think there's a common theme that all of us, as we're sort of relating some mm-hmm. of these experiences, some of the early podcasts, do I have a problem? You yeah. know, it's interesting some of those very early on podcasts where we really kind of identify do I have a problem or do I not have a problem? And I think. You know, for you to arrive at that is actually uh, that that says something. Well, I mean, heck, really my ex difficult. was
0: constantly telling me, and I'm like, "No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, no, You're I just telling, think I do." And it wasn't till the point I'm like, "Okay, I have a problem." Yeah. And yeah, then right. I took the steps, and like everything fell into place. Right. And it's like, okay, yes, I do have a problem. I want to jump into sort of the next
2: segment for both of you for just a second. Yep. Um, We're almost out of time on this episode, though. But let's do this then. Let's wrap up this episode because there we definitely have some other things that yeah, we want to address. J- jump and into the these next one. So. Let's go ahead and conclude this episode then. And we'll, uh, we'll jump into the other one. I'll just say that uh, let's. Uh, that was a buzz. Wow. <laughs> that was the buzzer uh, saying, we're done. We're done. <laughs> so this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the power that recovery can bring.
0: All right. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your
2: recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from
0: you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12 podcast at gmail.com. That is
2: podcast at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.